This is the Be Plucky Podcast, and I'm your host, Jen Derry. On this podcast, we have career conversations that help us find our way. And in today's episode, we are talking specifically about work-home boundaries. Mentors, as you well know, can be anywhere, sometimes in official capacities and sometimes not. But today, we've got one on this podcast. So put your headphones in, prep your dog for a stroll, and get ready to listen. For the next few minutes, let's be the best kind of people. The ones who admit that they don't know everything. Here we go. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Emily Allen, the Vice President of People at SEER Interactive. I need to make a disclaimer here. When we recorded this episode, Emily was working at a company called LeagueSide, so you're gonna hear her refer to that a few times. But in the meantime, LeagueSide has been acquired. Congrats, everyone over there. And so Emily is now working at SEER Interactive. Emily has more than 15 years experience building, scaling, and leading people operations end-to-end at agencies and startups with remote and fully distributed teams. At SEER Interactive, Emily oversees talent acquisition, traditional HR, employee growth and development, culture, and retention. Emily is adventurous, innovative, data-obsessed, and carries a true passion for people. When Emily is not HRing, you can find her spending time with her husband, three daughters, and giant Newfoundland, Rooney. Welcome, Emily. Thanks so much, Jen. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. This is our 10 a.m. on this day. It's so nice to have a 10 a.m. like this. I will just say that. So. The topic that we're going to talk about with Emily today is this concept of work-home boundaries. And I think the last few years, this has become a super important topic because COVID has introduced so much more remote work and we need to think about boundaries a little bit more, let's say, even though that's always been tricky to figure out. I mean, I feel kind of bad putting you immediately into the category of boundaries, which you know every human loves to think about and feels is very easy to them. So maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about how do you see this work-home boundary complex showing up in the world today? And that's either as a person who helps a lot of people at work or as a mom of three young kids. Sure. No, great question, Jen. It's something that is, that's I think always been relevant, but even you know more relevant today with with the increase of remote work for lots of different organizations. I think that creating boundaries is so challenging because you know you want to do what is best for the organization and the people and the team that you're supporting, and you have obligations and responsibilities and expectations there. But also, you have those same things for for home life and for kids and for spouses and friends and partners. So I think by you know wanting to to be everything to everyone really sets us up for failure. I think it's super, super important to be able to prioritize. And there's some days where I'm like an amazing mom. And that is just like, that's the thing that I want to do for the day. And everything else has to go by to the go by the wayside. And there's other days where like, I've really got to show up for my team and for people at work. Right. And I have to, you know, I I lean on my husband, I lean on my babysitters, you know, and folks to support things that, that have to happen and keep running at, at home as well. I think we set ourselves up for failure when we try to be everything to everyone at all times versus giving ourselves the grace to, to prioritize and know that it's just not, it's not reasonable and it's not something that you can, you can do at all times. It's interesting for me to watch as a coach, 
folks go through COVID where even, I mean, I know people's pets now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there are so many dogs, cats, lizards, what have you, who arrive <laughs> even when I'm teaching a manager training. And in a way that is so endearing to me because I, I get to know someone in this deeper way on their home side of things. And also I feel you as a mom, that is an intrusion sometimes for me in the work that I want to be doing. And so I really understand that complexity, I guess I'll say, and, and the feeling of failure pretty much every day in one category or the other. Do you notice yeah. that employees, like, which uh, this is too specific of a question, I guess, but are folks struggling more with keeping home at home or keeping work at work lately? I think it's a little bit of, of both. And you said something that I want to circle back to and come back to that question in a second. You talked about how home life can sometimes intrude on work and you get to know people's kids and lizards and, and, and things like that. And I think that's a great thing, but having the confidence and the ability to just own your life and who you are as a person and kind of like all of the good things and the messy things that come with that and communicating and setting expectations. So for example, I, I had an interview two weeks ago and I had, I was stacked actually with interviews all day. Mm -hmm. And of course my husband was traveling and my kid got sick. <laughs> so, you know, as the world always, you know, what would happen, right? Yeah. Uh, so I knew it was going to be an eventful day. And I knew that regardless of how many goldfish I could feed my daughter and how, how many iPads I could throw at her, she would still be popping into the screen. Yeah. So I communicated that, right? To my boss, to the leadership team and every candidate that I had a call with, I was like, hey, guess what? Like, work these days, COVID, am I right? Like my, my kid's sick and it's likely she's going to pop into, to, you know, to the interview at some point. But I found that like, that really like folks felt immediately at ease and got a little more comfortable. They knew what to expect. They rolled with it. And, and a lot of the follow-up emails and, and thank yous that I got you know, we're like, Hey, great to learn about league side, but also way to be an amazing mom. Like Aww. folks embrace that. And that made me feel like it just made me feel so good. But like the key part there, I would have been so nervous. I'd have been like, Oh my God, when is she going to pop in? Is she going to say something weird? If I hadn't set the stage and communicated that right. And said like, Hey, if you see me go on mute, you know, I'm here, I'm listening, but my daughter's being loud in the background kind of a thing. So, you know, I think communication and expectation setting is, is absolutely key. And also, if I can just say in that example, you're modeling something both from the culture and also as a leader at the org for, Hey, this is how we handle these things. We are understanding that you are a whole person and you have that side of things. And from day one, literally minute one, you're not even employed with us yet. But even for our interview, I'm modeling that this might happen and I'm confident enough to roll with it. And therefore you can too. Yeah. Can yeah. you give us some details about, it's so good to see people as whole people, obviously, but when are we supposed to work? Because I don't know if you saw, there was an article recently that this tech leader was like, I found two of my employees having two jobs at the same time. And now everyone in the industry is doing that. So watch out. And I think that's a little extreme, but at the same time, I think people struggle sometimes with what is enough. And because work is also at home, 
-hmm. it's hard to know can I work nine to five or if I like go out to lunch do I need to work an hour later or if my kid is sick should I work till 10 like what's your best advice here how do we know when to to work and when to stop working yeah another great question and I think and I'm not trying to be evasive, but I think that it depends, right? Like it depends on the organization. It depends on the role. It depends on the needs of your client and customers and, and team members. I think about like an ER doctor. An ER doctor is, you know, working really, really long hours overnight, not normal business hours, right? But like I'm super happy that, that 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 they're there and they're they're willing to work those hours, but that's not a surprise to them. They know what they are signing up for, right? Yeah. So again, I think this maps back to clear expectations, clear communication, and being aligned and agreeing. Generally speaking, I think that flexible work and and remote work really aligns best for organizations and and work that is just like output focused, right? So it's like, here are the goals. Here's what we need to accomplish. We're aligned on the, t- the time frame that that needs to happen within. So like, let's, let's go do that. Here are the things that we expect to happen during business hours. What are core business hours? What work can you do outside of business hours at midnight or, you know, whatever time of the day, you know, that's, that's convenient to, to your particular, you know, lifestyle and, and personal needs. Right. So I think it's just clear definition, communication, you know, between parties about what works for, for each of them to be successful. Yeah. You've said communication like 10 times now. And I think that's such a key point of this whole work on boundaries, because so long as you're explicit about it and you set that expectation, it goes a lot easier. Even if there needs to be a hard conversation at some point, it's like, well, I gave you a heads up that this is going on, or I will give you more heads up in the future. It's a nice, let's say like bookmark to pin part of that success on. And you're kind of elevating this idea of core business hours and that is, again, set expectation from leadership. Here's here's where we're tracking against, or here's what we're looking at. Obviously, that gets so tricky. I have some folks that I work with who have team members in Australia and Europe and Pacific time. And it's like core business hours is 24-7. And yeah. then again, the explicitness of like, I will do a one-on-one late in the evening to catch you at your morning, you know, and those sorts of things. So long as it's discussed, it doesn't have to build resentment, which I think is one of the fallouts if it's not. Yeah, totally. And I think with like flexible work, you can't have it all. Like, again, I think you've got to have the self-awareness to like understand like yourself, what you need, how flexible you want to be, right? If you're, if, if you're working for an organization that is like, we're nine to six or we're nine to five period case closed. I think that like, if you don't want to have Slack or refresh your email at 9 PM at night, because they give you zero flex, like you just got to be there period full stop during the day. Fine. Then I would just manage expectations that if like you, if I've got to be here and I don't have the flexibility to, you know, pop out to take my dog to the groomer to get my kid off the bus, whatever it is, like, I've got to prioritize doing those things at 6 p.m. onward. So like, you're not going to get me, right? Yeah. And on the flip side of that, for organizations that are like, manage your time, get your stuff done. If you're out for the morning because of whatever, you went for a long run, you had a doctor's appointment, it doesn't even matter, right? Like if you've got to take a, a one-on-one or a call at 7 or 8 p.m. at night, 
like do it right mm-hmm. because you weren't plugged in during those quote unquote normal business hours. And I think I think that like humans are still kind of reacquainting their brains to like 8 p.m. is not I'm not being worked to the bone because you you automatically feel that way because we've we've been trained that you work between nine and five our whole lives. So 8 p.m. always feels like extra. <laughs> it feels yes. like oh my gosh, I have no balance, but it's easy to forget what you were doing between nine and 11 or whatever. I think we almost have to like reframe and kind of relearn and and, and honestly just kind of do some soul searching about what works for us and what we're comfortable with and what we're, you know, willing to, it's, it's a give and take. Yeah. I really like that. You just said you can't have everything because that is real. And sometimes when we have the privilege of super competitive salary offers, sometimes equity, sometimes like all kinds of benefits, we get a little entitled. And this is where I think I sound old, possibly, (laughs) is that do not allow abundance to invite entitlement is kind of how I feel about that. And no, I think there's an honest question at the end of the day. Did I do my best work? Yes. And if you can ask that at the end of the day, And you can say, given X, Y, Z, what you're laying out, life circumstances, or also none of that today, did I do my best work? Then you can go to sleep well at night and you can justify in your next one-on-one or not even justify, but celebrate the kind of work that's going on. Then you're doing a great job and you've, you've held your boundaries tight. And this is why you hear some leaders sometimes complaining, like they want everything and they want to work from their backpacking trip in Europe and, you know, this kind of stuff. It's sort of like, well, read the room, man. Like sometimes that's not going to be what the leadership on your team needs. And it doesn't mean that's insulting to you. It means it's an opportunity for collaboration. Yep, totally. And I think it's been funny. I've had a lot of conversations over the last two years in particular with team members around, around burnout and, it's been interesting because, you know, one of the first things that I'll, I'll look to in any conversation to kind of ground us is the data, right? So I'm not trying to trick anyone or be like, I have any like gotcha moments, right? But I'm like, let's take a look at your hours to understand what that looks like on a, on a weekly basis. Are you working 60 or 70 hours a week? If so, or 50, you know, 45, what, what, you know, what, what does that actually look like? And let's unpack, you know, what we, can reprioritize, delegate, like what, what does it look like versus what should it look like? And it's been so interesting to see that like, once we, once we have the conversation about the hours, I mean, we're looking at 30, 35, 38, it is rare. It's rare that I'm finding someone's at 45, 50 hours a week and feeling this way. And so then what that prompts is a conversation. It's like, it's not about the hours. It's about the work. Mm. (laughs) So let's have a more meaningful conversation about what you're doing. Is this the right thing? What can we change? So these conversations have become a lot more, a lot more complex. And I think when you're at home and you're sitting with just the work, versus have the distraction and the ability to go grab a coffee with someone and fill your your cup in, in those ways, it can be a good thing for some and not so not such a good thing for, for others. Yeah, you're really talking about motivation in such a more complex way, right? And I think the fatigue and burnout, to use your concept, does come from the fact that one hour can feel like three hours in the wrong circumstance. 
And, you know, this is life. So sometimes that'll happen, but yeah. to kind of pull it apart and find the ingredients of what is leading to that feeling, I think is really smart. And it sort of invites a self-awareness to both parties in the conversation about what is the company, I don't want to say imposing, but what is the company expecting or inviting? And what mm -hmm. is the person's perception of what the company is expecting or inviting? And yeah. let's just clear the air there. Man, yeah. And this whole conversation is illuminating the fact that like, just talk, everyone, <laughs> just talk. <laughs> <laughs> it would like really solve the whole problem. Actually, maybe you and I should just handle this. Let's go to the UN. Nailed it for the world. <laughs> okay. So question directly to you then as a busy person, do you have work stuff on your phone? Do you have like apps, Slack, email? Do you, yeah. What's your deal? I do. I do. I have a love-hate relationship with all of these apps and, and work things, but I, I started with League Side at the beginning of this year. And upon starting, I was like, I will not have any of the apps on my phone. And I think that lasted like one or two business days. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> must have the apps on the phone. But again, it was like, I'm being extended flexibility, right? And I sure. do, if, if the organization is going to extend so much flexibility to support my lifestyle, it is the right thing to do to extend availability and flexibility back to the organization. So again, it is, it, it's got to be a mutual, it's a give take. I have had many internal debates and conversations with myself. And at the end of the day, it's my responsibility. Like if I am exhausted at 830 and I meant to log back on for an hour or do something like I can, I'm a big girl. I can make that choice. Right. Yes. So it's, it's more, I, I think that, you know, with flexibility comes a lot of responsibility as well. And a lot of choices and kind of, you know, you have to, you have to make those things and protect those things and monitor those things yourself. I mean, you are just a mentor for all of us in adulting right now, because yeah. everything you're saying is what it's, it's like the freedom when you become a grown up, right? I, my family and I, we moved from California to Virginia about two years ago. And there were a lot of reasons for that. And it was a good idea and it has worked out very nicely. But I remember, I guess it was the night that we signed the lease on the rental house here in Virginia. I remember kind of looking at my husband and being like, are we allowed to do this? Are we, are we allowed to like, I mean, moving is expensive, right? So then you're about to like book some pod to show up at your house and put all your crap in it and whatever. And I was like, this is some big decisions here. Like, shouldn't we check with someone? And that is being a grown up. And although I have been a grown up for quite a while now, there are still some surprising moments in your life when you realize, ah, there's nobody to check with. And so I think what you're suggesting is, for individuals to, to really own their own agency, which mm -hmm. is that like, you don't have to do that. You can solve that a different way, but if you don't solve it at all, then yeah, there's going to be a conversation to be had for it. And equally right. The flip is true where if the employee is really going above and beyond in terms of expectations, flexibility, and whatnot, there are moments where the company needs to be a grown up too. There are lots of companies who are, who want it all also, right? They want yes to the retention and they want the junior people who are less expensive, but to be working at a super senior level and, you know, that kind of stuff is just part of the game too. So everybody resets expectations a little bit as they grow up. Yep, absolutely. Okay. One other question I had on my list is, I mean, you've sort of answered a 
million versions of this, but like, how long is it okay to not respond? People are so allergic to out of office. I don't know why these email setups, but they're so nervous about it. So like, no, I'm going to go on my honeymoon to Greece, but I won't put it out of office. Surely yeah. like, you know, how long is it okay to not write back? Yeah. So I think, again, I think it's just like using your words and, and communicating, right? It's all maps back to just setting expectations and, and communicating. And maybe this is like a super old school answer. And this has just been really deeply ingrained into my brain and how I operate, but I'm like 24 hours. Oh, <laughs> and I, I love that. like robotic, but I think that, I think that, you know, part of it is like, well, what would I expect? Right. Like, what would I really appreciate if like my manager to, to, you know, how would I appreciate them to treat me, respond to me if I had a need so that I'm thinking about that. And then also just, you got to keep things and priorities in the business moving forward. So if you're not out of the office, I would say like 24 hours with a caveat of like, depends on the mode of like what platform are we talking email, Slack, like courier pigeon, like what, there's so many different ways that we, that we communicate with, with teams now. So if it's 10 AM and I'm working the whole day and I get a Slack message, I should probably respond to that before the end of the day. If folks are out of the office and for any reason on vacation, whatever, like create an out of, like put, put your out of office email reply up and then set the expectation of when somebody is going to hear back from you. And if that's a week or two weeks, so long as you're communicating that and setting the expectation, I think that's fine. So again, at the end of the day, it's it's communication and it's thinking about, you know, any any party that's relying on you and how you can be good to them and what would feel good to you if you were in their shoes and they they were relying on you for something. I think the emails that I like keep marking unread. I don't know if you yes, do that, but I'll like look at it and then I'm like, oh, mark unread because when I try to think about which of those emails I do that for, it's because it's a big, bigger thing than just a quick response. So yep. if I know it's going to mean either that I, it kicks off a new stream of work, like, oh, this is a, I don't even know, a back and forth contract conversation. And I'm like, I'm going to have to open quick books. Like if it's that, and I don't yep. have time right now to do that, I just have time to read the email. Okay, back to unread. So sometimes I'm like, could you just email me a simpler question? (laughs) Of course that is not real work, but I'm like, I would be so much faster if yours was just a yes, no email or just ha ha. But you know, yeah, I I hear you. I mean, I think Slack obviously feels more like it's an async conversation, but it's a little faster for sure. I also, something that comes to mind for me is I do some volunteer work with my kids' school And I'm particularly proud of myself this year because I have not shared my phone number. And I mean, I I have it with other parents, but I haven't shared that with anyone from the school. And that is because I, I mean, this is an unbillable job that I'm doing with the PTA, right? And I need for that to be held. I I don't want to have texts from random folks about PTA events from the school so they can email me and that way I can take my time for that. But this is the first time in my life I haven't shared my phone number because I'm so friendly and you are too. And I'm like, oh, please contact me anytime. Except that now I'm like, no, don't. Yes. That's a great, like, what a great boundary to create. What boundary is the hardest for you to hold? 
Oh, good question. So I am like inherently, I just want to make everybody happy. (laughs) I'm such a people pleaser. (laughs) I just want everybody to be so happy and feel so good and do so good and grow. And it's really shocking you're in people operations, by the way. This really doesn't track at all. (laughs) So all the sunshine and butterflies, and like I'm like, contact me anytime. Need something over the weekend? shoot me a text. Like I do the same thing where I share, you know, I I share my information and, you know, all it takes is someone to seem just a tiny little bit in distress or, 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 you know, have a need. And I'm like, I'm here. (laughs) How can I help you? You know, kind of a thing. So I think protecting my time, ironically, is probably, I've, I've definitely gotten better for sure. It's still a challenge. And the way that we communicate with people and organizations like is always going to evolve. So just as soon as you feel like you've gotten it figured out, like something changes again. And you were talking about the, the phone, sharing your phone number. And one thing that I think is like, just so funny that I've, that I've realized over the course of the last six to 12 months is isn't it funny how a phone call seems so much more personal than a Zoom? Like oh, when no. some like I'm like when I'm trying to build if I have a new team member I'm trying to build rapport and relationships. Zoom is like work, but like when the pandemic hit, it's like we need face to face. Let me like I want to see you when I'm speaking to you, and so it became very business. And now when I speak on the phone with someone for like 20 minutes and I don't see their face, like. I feel so like so much closer to them than I would if I were on a Zoom. <laughs> They're like intimately whispering into your ears. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's so funny is that I have never, is this true? Maybe with like one or two exceptions, but I've never coached in person. I've only ever coached over Zoom. However, there are the rare clients who want to do phone because they'll take their dog out on a walk while we're talking. And, and those are also a very different type of conversation. I think we listen differently when we can only hear the audio and we're kind of more focused in that way. I don't yeah. know if this happens to you. Of course, there are meetings where you're like, you're literally looking at another screen while we're talking. I mean, it's so ridiculous. People are paying me to talk to them. They're literally also working at the same time. I'm like, Hey, I could just sit here, you know, but that is also like, I mean, talk about boundaries, right? That's like a whole other version of that. And who has not needed to check and make sure there isn't an emergency in the middle of a meeting, but yeah, it's another place that rears its head. Yes. Yeah. Okay. My, my last question on this topic, and then I have one more for you is, do you know anybody that's really good at work home boundaries? And if you do, what's their secret? I do. So my boss at Sear, Crystal, who's the president of Sear, oh, yeah. is fantastic. <sighs> and I think that like, I think the secret is being comfortable saying no. Also like being comfortable with like knowing that if she hopped on a call or a Zoom and like gave the question or the issue or the opportunity some of her time, she would make that thing better by her perspective, right? Mm -hmm. But by being like, I can't be in everything and my team has got it. And like, they're going to learn and they're going to grow it. Like it's going to be okay. And, and being okay. If the, if the output of that thing, because she wasn't available, isn't absolutely perfect, 
being comfortable and okay with that. Like just, you know, being comfortable saying no, being comfortable, like having someone being disappointed for a moment, I think is the secret, but she's really, really good at it and really good at protecting her time. I mean, that is such a great note to end on, which is the the complexity or maybe the relationship I want to say between perfectionism and boundaries, which is that if you set a boundary, the nature of that means that you don't have control over hundred percent of what happens. So someone might get a little pissy that you didn't give them your phone number or whatever. And you, uh, as you like describe crystals mojo there, the thought that comes to mind for me is that it's the long game for her that this meeting is not the be all end all it's a medium term or long-term point of view which she's right to do to empower her team to delegate that they can make decisions without her yeah every once in a while it'll be the wrong decision but that's how they're going to learn you know yeah and I think like in the moment it's easy and I'm sure that that I was you know in this situation on the receiving end where like I was frustrated by not being able to get a hold of her I felt like I really Mm -hmm. needed her and like everything was okay. Look at me now, fast forward, however many months or years later, I'm like, Crystal was really good at that. (laughs) I really like, you know, so now I'm like, wow, that's some skill I admire and want to duplicate. So it's easy. I think it's, it's important to zoom out and recognize that it's not personal and it's not about you, but like, just kind of like respect and like how, what, what, what nuggets can you personally take away but from, you know, that boundary setting and implement for yourself, because we all need help with that. <laughs> yes. Also, I don't want to blow your mind or anything, but you're literally being interviewed on a podcast about your genius with regard to work home boundaries. So clearly the student has become the teacher, my friend, <laughs> like somebody out there. This is, this always is so fun for me to think about somebody out there is going to watch you struggle with something and they're going to think that you're nailing it. Yes. And one yes. day they will be able to kind of turn that around. Like you just said, there might've been some friction, but they're like, oh man, they were so good at that. You're like, wow, I was really yeah. a mess, but thanks, you know. <laughs> okay. So obviously you've shared a million pounds of wisdom and I'm so appreciative of you and the mentorship. I think we all really need to hear about this stuff to give ourselves permission, honestly, to hold those boundaries. And it's a very grown up thing. And my last question is what does the phrase be plucky mean to you? I'm going to give you a personal example because it's timely and relevant, but being plucky means taking all three of my little humans to the pediatrician tonight at 515 for their flu shots. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that oh is what you mean. So please think of me in a few hours from now. Oh my God. <laughs> Everyone listening to this, I have no idea when this will drop, but whenever it is, please pour one out for Emily, who is handling a 515 pediatrician appointment for shots with three young daughters. That's the most plucky thing I've heard all week. That is good stuff. Thank you, Emily, for joining us to our audience. I'm going to add some stuff in the show notes if you want to work with Emily or connect with her. And to you, my audience, thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for tools to help you either be a mentor or get a mentor, you might want to consider Plucky's Mentor Pack. And I'm going to put the link for that in the show notes too. Until we see each other again, be well and be plucky.